This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. And now, sports analysis of fictional characters with Dr. Jason Von Steins. All right, thanks for having me back. Uh, as I always say, I love doing this. This is so much fun. Um, today, I would like to talk about one of another one of my all-time favorite characters. Uh, this was one of my favorite characters growing up, um, you know, as a little kid in the 80s. And then even to this day, um, this character is, still stands out to me as one of the best, if not the best, uh, female action heroes and actually just action heroes of all time. Um, I'm talking about Ellen Ripley. I'm going to talk about her from the movie Alien as well as the movie Aliens, but I'll mainly be focusing on the movie Aliens. So anything that happened after that, we can definitely talk about it, but that's not necessarily the Alan Ripley that I'm talking about. So uh, like I said, Ripley, uh, she's my my favorite character. Um, things that we know about her, uh, she's sort of a space construction worker. Um, she knows how to use cool um, exoskeleton-type construction equipment where she can get in it and move big boxes around and, and maybe fight off a queen alien if she needs to. Um, she uh, <laughs> she used to work on a, a freighter uh, carrying cargo. I think she was sort of like a scrap metal scavenger in a sense, finding like missing parts and old spaceships to like recycle or something. Um, and so that's sort of her work history. Um, and then more about her she's a big strong athlete she's about six feet tall um we know sigourney weaver is about six feet tall um she can be very physical when she needs to be so if someone like paul riser is being kind of a weasel uh she can grab him and slam him. <laughs> <laughs> he's always kind of a weasel let's not fool ourselves okay yeah i think it's stranger things he wasn't a weasel i saw <laughs> i'd have to watch it again but i kept thinking oh he's gonna be a weasel yeah and then i do the turn right he's gonna do the yeah. turn any second now yeah yeah <laughs> oh, he was the one i think he was the one character that proved like yeah, I I am what I say I am. I'm not gonna like double cross anyone. Yeah, and then I for think a change. That was, <laughs> and that was probably the twist. Yeah. Like, oh, that's Paul Reiser. He's gonna be a weasel. Oh, whoa, he wasn't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ripley's big and strong, and she can grab weasels and throw them against the wall. And she can say cool lines like straight to the wall, you know, and, and stuff like that. And and also, uh, so she's strong and she's very coordinated. Uh, so in Aliens, we see her carrying a small child with one arm. And then with the other arm, she has uh, a machine gun with a grenade launcher with a flamethrower, you know, all taped together. And that sounds pretty heavy. And then she's able to to use fine motor skills to point it, aim it, and and accurately blow up bad guy stuff. So you know, so she's strong and coordinated and has good endurance because she's doing that for quite a while, and and she's able to continue doing it. Um, if you ever just kind of put your arm out in front of you and then hold it there, 
after a while, that starts to feel heavy. And, and Ripley's able to have a, a child and multiple weapons and, and use them accurately. So she's, she's very athletic. Um, and then some of her strengths um, psychologically, uh, she has a really clear understanding of reality. Um, so she's with a bunch of awesome space Marines that are straight out of like a Vietnam war movie and they're, you know, and they're funny and they're cool and all that stuff. And most people would probably feel safe and, um, and just trust them and just not pay any attention and just kind of put blinders on. But she's able to accurately, um, see the danger of the situation. She has the data on these aliens, the xenomorphs. She knows that they bleed acid. She knows that they can just like, smash through metal paneling and do all kinds of crazy stuff and she knows the marines are tough but she's trying to talk to them and like hey take this seriously this is not a walk in the park so she accepts reality um and you can say that that's part maybe that's ptsd and she probably does have ptsd we know that she wakes up in the morning sweating and you know maybe in the middle of a panic attack with her heart pounding and she has nightmares almost every night about, you know, aliens ripping through people's chests and stuff. So she, pro she most likely has PTSD, but she is, but we also know that these xenomorphs are super dangerous. So she is still seeing the danger of the situation in an accurate way. And uh, did anybody want to jump in right now? Yeah, no, I was going to say, one of the things with her that I found fascinating, again, got to put her in context of the sport. One mm -hmm. of the things is, and I, it's funny that you say that, what you said about her being the janitor, like, or, oh, the, or the, the ship's mechanic or something, because yeah. yeah. they don't really ever say what her job is. Like, yeah. they never give her an identity, really. They just mm -hmm. kind of say, she, these are the things she can do. So she's mm -hmm. very athletic, but she's an all-around kind of a tough, single-minded focus, mm -hmm. no matter what else is going on. It has to be a sport that requires a lot of physical strength and a lot of focus, right? Because you want to be able to – because she can block everything else out except her goal to the point of obsession almost, right? Yeah. So I was trying to think of that, and it, it I was almost thinking weightlifter, to be honest, yeah. where it's in that very heavy moment that they have to be very intense. But the rest of the time, they just – they're obsessing about the next lifting, the next competition. They're always training for that next moment. And with her, because of her size and because she's so obsessive, that's what I first thought of as kind of the sport that would best fit her. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I, and actually, I, I think I think I agree. Uh, she, like 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 you said, she is very focused, and then in the moment, she can she can kind of maintain that focus, do what she needs to do. She's very coordinated. Uh, so I actually competed in the, in the weight of sport lifting. And a lot of times people think that you need to get like really revved up and get really kind of like have a really high arousal level. But I mean, maybe in the sport of powerlifting where you're just doing, or I don't want to say just, but when you're doing bench press, deadlift and and squat and you're trying to lift as heavy as you can that could work for a sport like that but in the sport of weightlifting where you know like olympic weightlifting where you're doing something called the snatch or the clean and jerk where you're mm -hmm. lifting for the snatch you're lifting the weight from the ground to over your head in one movement um you need to have laser sharp focus and one of the things my coach would would say is it's it's much more similar to golf than to other sports like in golf you need to have really sharp focus and just be 
like really kind of like calm and present. And that's how you need to be like in weightlifting. So yeah, I think she could be really good at weightlifting. Uh, and then just uh, kind of brainstorming. Uh, she, it sounds like she would probably be good at any sport, uh, maybe basketball because of her size, but then she is very physical. So I think that would probably help her, but then maybe, um, she, like she could use that physical, like rough and tumbleness in other sports and then maybe lacrosse. I don't know a ton about lacrosse, but I, I can see her like shoulder bumping people and like really using her, you know, her aggression really well. And then also having that, like that IQ and awareness of, you know, where the aliens are and which ones to kill. Like she would be able to like read the field and see her opponents and, and use that fine motor skill to, you know, I don't know the terminology, but you know, score a goal or whatever it is you say in lacrosse. Yeah. I would say, and it's kind of funny too, because my, actually my daughter uh, plays lacrosse mm, and okay. uh, it's, she plays and it's weird. Their women's lacrosse and men's lacrosse are very different. Women's mm-hmm. lacrosse is a lot more strategic. It's a lot more strategy. You can't just thump into people. Boys, they're just beating on each other. You know, they're literally beating people sticks. Girls, you have to be strategy. So I think you're right for her that she would have to be, you know, she has to be able to be not be distracted by everything going on around her and mm-hmm. be able to be focused on the goal. I don't know. And here's a question. I'm not sure she's great at working in teams. So I was curious that if she was going to be on a team sort of basketball or the like, would that be an area based on her history that she would need to work on? Can you expand on that a little bit and then say like, like what maybe like what what situations in the movies uh, makes? Yeah, you think I mean, because if you think about ninety percent of of aliens and alien and like the whole the first couple of movies, mm-hmm. she can't really rely on anyone else. Like at all, you know, right. and she gets this place where the only per- she's little, she's the one holding the kid with the gun. If you want to go from from that perspective. Right. Yeah. yeah. And y- y- you have to kind of go there and say, there's no one else who's going to help me. I can't trust any of these. These they don't know what's going on. They don't have the information. I'm on my own here. And she's standing in hallways with big guns and kids. And that's literally it. Or, you know, with heavy equipment. But she's not being able to rely on anyone. So, and, and, you know, if she was to continue in a sport where it was a team sport, she has that first experiences. She kind of shows that she doesn't trust people and she can't work with others because she doesn't trust that they'll be able to have her back. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll have to, those are good points. I'll have to sort of uh, amend what I'm thinking right now a little bit because let's see. So in, in the second movie, in Aliens, in the, in the first movie, I haven't seen in a while, and and everybody dies, and um, so I, she probably tries to get them on board with her plan, or tries to, you know, help them, and it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, she tries to help them, and they're all miserable. So yeah. she's kind of coming from that in Aliens, where she's yeah. had that, mm-hmm. and now she's not sure she wants to trust anyone. In the second one. Um, she she does some really good things that I that I appreciate. Uh, so if you think about a leader, um, there's or just like any leader, um, there's a time to lead and there's a time to follow, and you really need to be good at both. And um, so if we think about when the space marines are, um, you know, in they're they're searching through the settlement, they're trying to find like the big group of colonists that they think might still be alive if they don't see them and then oh no they get ambushed by a bunch of aliens um everybody else is um 
well, the, the the Marines down there are just fighting like crazy, trying to survive. And then the people in the car, especially the lieutenant, he is frozen. He's trying to follow protocols, and those protocols are not, um, you know, not enough for the situation. And then before Ellen Ripley was doing a good job of following because they had the skill set, they had the knowledge, at least at least they thought. So she did a good job of knowing when to follow or at that time. And then as soon as she saw that the lieutenant was frozen, he didn't know what to do, um, and he wasn't going to do anything, uh, the, all the space marines were just going to die, then she jumps into action so she knows, okay, I'm the only one prepared to lead. Let me lead now. So she she does that. She drives the car down to the settlement, picks him up, drives off. Apparently, she doesn't know how to drive stick or something, and then she, she – <laughs> 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 which which is fine, you know. Um, she she took that risk. She she uh, burnt out the clutch, but better better to have a burnt clutch than to have you know all your friends be dead. So she took appropriate action at that time, and then later on, um, she's sort of um, uh, she's kind of taken over as as the leader or at, at the very least as the calming presence among the soldiers and they're mapping out um like what to do or how to protect themselves while they're in the the settlement so she knows that um hicks who is a corporal which is low ranking has tactical knowledge he's a soldier he has experience so she asks him hey what should we do you know you're a corporal uh you're in charge right now. How how many guns do we have? How much ammunition do we have? What do you think? Where should we block off, you know, vents and stuff like that? And then that kind of helps Hicks to rise to the occasion. And okay, yeah, we we have this many of this, and we should do these things. Okay. And then she talks to Newt, who is just a little girl, but has been surviving for like two weeks or something. And then, or or maybe it's just one week, but things have gone really bad. Um, and Hudson, you know, uh, love Hudson. He's like, oh, you're asking the little girl for help. And, you know, he says something like that. Well, she's been surviving and most of them have already died off. So she's so again, uh, Ripley is good at seeing the knowledge that people have and seeing that seeing what roles they could fulfill and then bringing them into the loop. Um so yeah, so so I'm not sure if she's like bad with with teams or groups or if those situations were just so challenging that maybe anybody would likely not survive or there's going to be a lot of like conflict with the group anyway because there's gross scary aliens, you know, coming coming to get you. So but in aliens with her core group and then Bishop, she she hates uh androids because one almost killed her. But she's able to put that to the side and say, okay, Android, you know, let's work together. So I, I think she, at least in Aliens, she is adapting and learning and working working well within a group. Interesting, because it, it, it felt to me when watching those scenes, and I guess, again, it could just be me and my, my, my dark negativity, I don't know, yeah. um, that she was more using their knowledge and their skills to help the group survive, but she wasn't doing it from a place of we're all going to work together. She was like, you have this skill. I'm going to use that so that we have this. 
I'm going to ask you these questions because you've been surviving. I need your knowledge so I can do this. What weapons do we have? So it's not that she's a part of the team. As you said, she's a leader at that point. But she's using, not in a bad way, but she's using people's knowledge to gather all the resources to herself to tell them what to do. It's like, what do we have? Okay, we have that, so let's do this. She's not doing from a place of like consensus where she's saying, okay, what do you guys feel is the best way to do this? She's just like, what do you know? Okay, you know that? Good. I have that knowledge. You guys go do that. She's almost, you want to do leadership style, almost like a dictator. You know, here's the orders. And she's a soldier at the end of the day, sort of. Um, (laughs) Son of a soldier mentality, so it makes sense. But I always kind of felt like she just didn't come from a place of, she cared about everyone's survival. She just wanted to survive. And yeah, mm-hmm. if they could survive as well, that's great. Right. But maybe more of a place I was coming from than where she was actually coming from. Sure. And, and now you're now that you're pointed that way, uh, yeah, because one of the things I was going to bring up is that I watched Ripley when I was a little kid, and I just love those movies. So it's really hard for me to see any kind of flaw because like i just love it so much so i (laughs) need to hear that from you um so hearing that um on so on one hand i do i see what you're saying and it could and and to add on that a little bit she is coming as an outsider um so she wasn't like friends with them ahead of time um and then when they did like eat in the mess hall she ate with like you know, the with like management, she ate with like Paul Reiser and mm-hmm. Chan and maybe other people. So, and she was brought in as a consultant. So it it kind of makes sense. I think I think that was the context going in where yeah. she, she is there to say, "Here's what I know. Here's how I can help you. You know, here's what you can do with my knowledge, like that kind of thing." So I think mm. that's, that's the relationship already going in. Mm. And, and then um, I think she does she does she does change over time um, a, a little bit. So and it's it's hard because they're always in a crisis situation. Sure. And, and most of the people die, but we do see her. We definitely see her switch gears and be very nurturing and very soft um, with Newt. And she's very like in the moment and here. Let me let me wipe this this dirt off of your head and let me be here with you right now uh, talking to you about like this moment. So she does switch gears with that. And then towards the end, um, she, I think she definitely softens and, and there's a, a real bond with Hicks and with the Android. And then uh, other than that, I, I'm not sure that she could, she, I'm not sure if she had the time and the sort of like the the context to have more of a bond and be more of like an inspirational leader. Um, I mean, if if that was her strength, then I think she would have done that. But that's that's not necessarily her strength. Her strength is more like surviving and just seeing the situation and then seeing what needs to be done in that moment. Um, so yeah, those are those are my thoughts on that. Well. <sighs> You guys said so much. Uh, I have to say, very interesting. Um, I remember the I remember the first movie that came out. I remember watching that. I was um, I want to say I was about nine or ten when I saw it, the first one, and it was geared more toward a uh, science fiction horror, mm-hmm. right? The second one, not so much. 
The second one was like James Cameron came in and it's like, hey, look, that whole like one uh, alien wrecking up the whole place isn't going to work. I want a hundred of these things running around, right? And he didn't make them so invincible. Essentially, they were a little bit more, I don't know if you noticed, a little bit more fragile. Like they would essentially explode when they would get hit by rounds, so to speak. So that made it more suspenseful. Now, my idea of, of Ripley between the two, um, here we go. I'll put it in. I'll put it in a sports context for you. I am a. I am the coach of a. Um, I want to say. Hold on. I want to say I am the coach of a dominant like program, sports program at a university. Let's just say, um, University of Arizona women's softball. Yeah. They're like they're like a powerhouse, right? Yeah. Um, and I have this one player who's like a very key part of the whole thing, right? And oh, I'm sorry. Um, sorry about that. I got distracted with my watch. Okay. <laughs> Those smart watches. Um, <laughs> so I come to you, I say, I have this one player, and her experience in the sport has been less than. Uh, less than spectacular, but she's a great, great athlete, like an asset to any group. And what happens is, is that she was part of a team before that she realized that the coach, which we could say the Whalen Corporation, uh, you know, basically turned on her. You know what I mean? Left her out to dry, had her own, had their own agenda for this particular person and used them up. Right. And she ended up getting hurt in it all. At the end of the day, like everyone on her team is pretty much gone, right? Left by herself. So she feels that betrayal, especially by finding out that the plan in that first movie wasn't so much to save the crew. It was let's save this thing that we just found, right? Then in the second movie, she's thinking, all right, I'm on a mission to save these, I think, terraformers, right? These were Mm -hmm. these innocent people that were just going to that planet that she just said – was infested by these things, and you put people there. And she figured out that it was the corporation, again, trying to, like, have their own agenda, right? So I'm coming to you as this coach saying, look, I'm on the verge of another championship season here with this new addition, and I need you to talk to this one player. Her name's Ripley. Here's what she's gone through. And I give you that whole scenario of those two movies. How do you start with that? Yeah, okay. And in in the past, uh, was her... Was your softball team overrun by xenomorphs? Actually, yes. They've lost back-to-back games, championship <laughs> games. Just totally decimated them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think first thing, any signs that her coach is trying to take advantage of her or uh, that you know maybe her team, um, they really are trying to sabotage her or anything like that. So first, just kind of getting a handle on that and um, looking at the evidence. Like, uh, okay, so it looks it looks like um, you know you're you're saying that your coach is you know just using you and doesn't care about you. Well, what are the signs? Like, what's the evidence that that is true? And then what's the evidence that it's not true? And then let's just kind of let's just deal with that. And then maybe maybe we come to the conclusion that the coach you know, only cares about winning and just wants her to get better so that 
um, she could perform, and maybe that is the truth. And then we would go back to values, and yeah. like, okay, does that matter for you? You know, like, do you do you still want to compete, even though you know that some people only care about winning? Like, what do you care about? Do you want to have, you know, one more season? Do you want to um, play the sport that you love? You know, that kind of thing. Or maybe we look at the evidence and we go, oh, okay, actually, yeah, I just keep thinking about my old coach and this new coach isn't trying to take advantage of me at all. Okay. And then we can kind of start moving forward that way. So first just looking at like her, her needs and, and the dangers in, like, that are present right now. And then I would also want to look back at on those past experiences. Like, you know, maybe she was up at bat and then, you know, a xenomorph, you know, burst out of someone's chest or, or something like that you know so if we can assume that that is probably not going to happen again then we would want to um do we, we, we would want to um well we, we first we want to just take any necessary precautions so that she's safe and then after that there's something that can be really helpful for trauma and for uh severe anxiety called exposure therapy so in this situation we, we want her to be able to approach things that cause her anxiety in a safe way and then just let her anxiety go up. And then over time, she'll realize, oh, okay, I'm actually still safe in this situation. And then her anxiety just slowly goes down over time. Because um, it only takes one bad experience for you to be traumatized and for you to learn that that experience is dangerous. And then it takes many times to learn that that situation in the future isn't actually dangerous anymore. You know, if you see a bear, you know, eat somebody in the woods, you're going to be afraid of bears. And then if you see a bear not eat somebody like once or twice, you're, you know, that's not going to that's not going to erase your fear of bears. You need to see a bear in a safe way, maybe a cage or maybe, you know, that you're at a safe distance and you need to have that experience multiple times and then your anxiety will just go down all on its own. So with Ripley, we might want to um, do something called an imaginal exposure where we um, kind of write a script or kind of retell the story of those traumatic experiences. And then usually what people do with trauma is they think about it, they feel tons of anxiety, they feel all those feelings, and then they try to block it out and they try to not think about it. But avoidance only helps in the short term, and in the long term, it keeps problems going. And that's the same with, with thoughts or with traumatic memories. So we, what we would want her to do is slowly and kind of like with her in just in full control, retell that story. So talk about what she was thinking at the time, what she was feeling at the time. Were there any smells? Um, were there sounds? Just kind of putting her back into that experience. Um, in a very safe way, and then all of those feelings are going to come up, and then over time she's going to be able to kind of just process that, and and all of those feelings are going to go down, and then when she does that over and over again, then that thing that used to be really scary just to even think about, now all of a sudden she's sort of like kind of rewritten the narrative, and like, yes, it happened, yes, I had this terrible experience, but it wasn't my fault, and you know it's it's not in control of me anymore. And over time, that that trauma just kind of just kind of 
heals when we continue doing that. And then that'll translate so that when she's up at bat, when she's in a team meeting, you know, she's not going to kind of kind of be triggered and and those old traumas are going to be there and drive her behavior. Maybe maybe she feels some anxiety and maybe she's aware that, oh, okay, yeah, this kind of thing happened before, but this is a new situation and I'm going to base my decisions and my actions off of off of right now and not the past. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. I mean, and and it's and it's that way with because we we did an, an, a couple characters, another character. Which, again, we kind of said you know from ta- from the Terminator movies, mm-hmm. the same type of thing where there's just a lot of trauma there to deal with, and you got to mm-hmm. kind of get past it to move mm-hmm. forward, right? And to be yeah. able to be to really be a part of a team rather than a director of the team, if you will. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um. So wow, that was great. Um. It was a great. I, it, she's a great character to talk about, and I know there's more movies of her. And as you said, there's different versions of her. We chose one particular. You chose one particular version to talk about. The original, it, the original uh, Ripley. Yeah, because yeah, uh, in movie number three, she dies. Yeah, movie number three, she has a spoiler shame. alert. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one in a long time, so it'd be interesting to see that again. Yeah, see, number three, she ends up dying. Number four, they bring her back. And then they brought her back again for the fifth one? Oh, I don't even remember the fifth one. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You're stretching yeah. it there, Ernie. You're stretching. Wow, because there was the – the fourth one was with Winona Ryder. Yeah. And that's when she was the clone. And then she dies in right. that movie, if I'm not mistaken – and they had another movie with her in it as well. Huh. I knew they had Aliens vs. Predator. Um, yeah, they had two of those. Yeah. Wow. I'll have to look that up. I don't even remember that fifth one. I think there's five movies, Alien movies. I think there's five. I think it's. Well, yeah. This sounds like some post 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 episode uh, research. Yeah. For <laughs> our fans, if you guys know the five titles, send them our way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Send them our way. Yeah. Well, it shows the it shows the commercial success of those three through four and five, right? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Well, well, as always, Doctor, it's been a true pleasure talking to you about aliens and all things creepy, and you know, a lot of post traumatic stress for these poor characters. <laughs> a lot of fine work there. <laughs> yes. No, definitely. And Doctor, as you always say, I'm Doctor Jason, and insert tagline here. And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.